everybody and welcome to the Portsmouth Running Podcast, episode 4. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to tune in, subscribe or download the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And yeah, it's been so fantastic meeting a lot of you over the Christmas period and New Year period and hearing lots of nice comments about the show. Um, And yeah, it just seems to me like um, it's just reinforcing the fact that um, it was such a good idea to do. And yeah, really, really appreciate it. Keep the comments coming. Lovely to meet you out. And yeah, thank you again so much. So I hope you've all had a wonderful New Year and Christmas and you've managed to spend it with friends, family, loved ones and had some all had some nice time off work. Um, I myself took um, about uh, probably the equivalent of a week off, but I had a few days working at home in between. And yeah, it's been uh, brilliant. It's been quite a fair bit of running going on, a fair bit of training, uh, double New Year's Day park runs, and we've had the Pebble Dash in South Sea, which was which was pretty damn amazing. If you've not been down to the Pebble Dash uh, over the New Year period, you definitely need to give it a try next year. It's a run organised by one of the Portsmouth joggers, Tony Conway, one of the one of the group leaders there. And Tony does a great job of, you know, getting a few volunteers from the community and heading down to the East Knee Swimming Pool and organising just a real nice fun run where you've got two distances, a 5k or a 10k, and you get to run along the beach and just, yeah, enjoy it all together. And you get a free drink and a really nice medal afterwards, which is a, it's a pebble on a string, which, which for me is my favourite medal. I mean, in fact, each year now I started writing the, the pebble dash and date on it. So yeah, really, really fun run. Uh, for those of you that took part, it was great seeing you all there, and um, yeah, come along next year if you haven't tried it yet. So I'm uh, I'm usually here on my own recording this introduction, but today I've got a I've got a special guest doing the intro with me. Joel, welcome to the show. Hello. Joel is Joel's my son. He's ten, and he does a bit of running as well, don't you, Joel? Yep. What do you do as running? What do you what, what normally do you take part in? Well, I have took part in the pebble dash before. You did? Oh, you did it last year, didn't you? So you have you've got a medal as well. Yeah. Did you did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think Tony and uh, all the volunteers down there do a good job each year? Yeah, really good. Excellent. And what what other what other kind of running do you do? Have you done any recently? Uh, well, I normally do junior park run. Which um, which junior park run do you take part in? Uh, East Knee Junior Park Run. Okay, and you enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. You go. So Joel's actually. I've, I've got to. I've got to tell everyone, Joel, because I know. I know that you wouldn't say it yourself. Joel comes down to East Knee Junior Park Run quite a few weeks, and he does help. Uh, well, you do a load of help with a setup, and you even kind of now help starting uh, the results processing, don't you, at the end of the park run? Yeah. So you do a lot of volunteering. In fact, I think you might have over a hundred volunteering credits, maybe. Need to go and look at that, but yeah. So tell me a bit about your running, Joel. Do you do you still enjoy it? Yep. Yeah, have fun. Did you do you did the fun run, the Santa fun run over the Christmas period? Yeah, the five k. The five k, and how was that? It was really tiring, but really fun at the same time. Brilliant stuff. What's the, what's like what's the, what's the best thing you like about running? Um, I don't really know. <laughs> you just like the activity itself. You like playing with your friends before park run, don't you? And kicking the yeah. ball, and playing, shooting some hoops with dad afterwards. Yeah. And or dad's attempt attempt to shoot some hoops. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Joel, have you been listening to the podcast? Uh, no. Why not? Uh, I don't know. Really. <laughs> Thank you for joining, Joel. Anyway, that's really, really good good stuff. So, uh, yeah, so um, I just wanted to say that I've had some really, really nice comments again from people. I've bumped into quite a few of you at parties over the New Year period and uh, some test runs. I've spoken to spoken to quite a few people out on the seafront. And it's been, it's been really, really good to kind of get a, a feel for how many people are listening to the show and what kind of stuff people are enjoying on the show. And... It just seems that, you know, generally the interviews are going down really, really well. 
Uh, I, I mess up with a friend, Neil, over, over the New Year period. Neil, if you're listening, hello. Uh, Neil comes down and does South Sea Parkrun a lot. And he was saying that um, having listened to Gabrielle Yates' episode, he drew some inspiration from Gabrielle's uh, attitude towards, you know, just giving things a go. And he managed to get out there and actually do a long run, which I think was, if I remember correctly, about 18 miles or so. So um, so it's fantastic that people are actually taking something away from all the experiences that our guests are sharing. So fantastic stuff. And uh, onwards we go. So my guest this week is somebody I put on my original list of potential people to ask about being on the show uh, and being interviewed. And it's Debbie Pentland. For those of you who know Debbie uh, will know that she injects uh, an amazing amount of fun and and spirit and community spirit into into running along uh, along uh, the seafront and it's not just uh, just the running as well debbie does uh, a lot of activities on the beach like tai chi and swimming which in the winter time i believe she calls uh, a dipperuni and joel are we going to go for a dipperuni sometime in the in the water maybe maybe I, so for those of you listening out there it's, it's a maybe which i think could be swing you to a yes po- uh, probably possibly Okay, well, I think I, that's more on the uh, on the side of yes. So I think we'll, yeah. I think we'll end up doing it. Uh, now, yeah, it was just fantastic hearing from Debbie. Uh, she is such an inspiration. She just brings so much energy to South Sea Park Run and all the running that she does uh, generally. And I've seen uh, a short little video that somebody put together about Debbie and the coaching uh, that she's done and the groups that she that she leads in Portsmouth. And so many people have really, really like positive amazing comments uh, about her she she really has changed a lot of lives for people in the area and i really really enjoyed uh, recording the show and i hope that you enjoy it um, a little bit about debbie debbie has uh, suffered an autoimmune illness in her life in fact she's had uh, two diagnosis diagnoses of um, autoimmune illness um, i learned talking to debbie that, that this can often be the case when you when you suffer from these diseases uh, but Debbie, interestingly enough, um, put together a book which is called Mutiny in My Body. Um, it's uh, self-publicated uh, and the full title is Mutiny in My Body, How Running Has Saved My Life. Uh, it's it's a very, very interesting interview. Uh, we don't talk about the book on, on the show, but we will go into the details about the autoimmune illness that Debbie was diagnosed with and basically how she's just used running and all sorts of kinds of sports and activities and healthy lifestyle and just color and fun and just everything positive uh, to to get through that and you know eventually come off medication um, which she'll she'll talk about on the show but I don't want to ruin too much of it you'll um, hear all of it on the interview which is coming up in just a sec and Joel is there uh, anything else before we we do that that you want to say to the listeners out there anything anything any comments about running or any any advice you want to give give the runners out there Uh, not really it's just that running is good Fantastic stuff, Joel. Thank you. And what a great way to go straight into the interview. Enjoy. Welcome. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to uh, to come to my house and have a nice cup of tea with me and uh, just chat everything running <laughs> related and, uh, and all about your story. So thank you. I really appreciate the time. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. So Debbie, I guess um, uh, a good place to start would be uh, a little bit about yourself, where you're from, maybe a little bit about how you got into running and I guess the, the, the very earliest kind of running memories that you have. Well, I'm from Edinburgh, which you might know by the accent. Um, lived down here for about 30 odd years now. My husband's from Edinburgh as well, but we couldn't find any work up there. 
okay. and the properties were very expensive so when we met and we wanted to to settle down we looked around a few places and got to south sea and loved it loved living by the beach and it's yep. much warmer down here and we stayed how, how much warmer a lot. a lot warmer <laughs> a lot warmer so so you actually went straight straight from Edinburgh straight to south sea and you've been you've been here no since? we went to channel islands first and we worked okay. a season there then we spent a season in eastbourne and we worked around because we were working in hotels then Okay. So it was easy to get jobs and, and living in jobs. Mm -hmm. So it enabled us to save up while we were working. How interesting. So okay. when we got to South Sea, that was it. Right, Didn't want to go anymore. Brilliant. <laughs> what did you do in the hotel um, industry? Uh, everything. Um, and everything from pot wash to management, really. We've been through been through the whole lot. Okay. So, yeah, loved it. Good good career? Good good fun? Yeah, good Meet fun. Lots of interesting Very people. low wages, but good fun. <laughs> Um, Debbie, when did you when did you first did you remember your first ever? I'm I'm kind of this is a running podcast, obviously, so it's a little bit running focused. But I'm keen to hear about all your activities that you do because you do do so much. Um, but I guess to start with, do you remember your first ever run? Yes, <laughs> nearly killed me. <laughs> well, Bob and I have been together for about forty years now, and he was a runner when I met him. Mm -hmm. But see, he didn't used to race because you didn't you didn't race in those days. You just went for a little jog. And um, he said, oh, I'll give it a try. So I went I went out with him one day yeah. and I had to keep stopping, hanging on to the lamppost. How far did you and go? I, oh, round the block. Oh, really? <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, I can't do this. I couldn't get the breathing right. And mm -hmm. and it was just hopeless. So another couple of years later, gave it another try. Still pretty hopeless. So a big gap in between. So, yeah, doing, yeah. I, I just never thought I'd ever become a runner. Yeah. So yeah, I really surprised myself later on. Okay, and Bob was obviously your, Bob, your husband was doing. Uh, was he running marathons at the time, or was no, he... no, he was just a, he used to go jogging before work in the morning just to clear his head because he he worked in an office and he was indoors all day, so he just used to have a little run in the morning and. Okay. Yeah, really enjoyed it, but in those days that you know, forty years ago, we're talking about mm -hmm. here, so there was there wasn't the running clubs. Now you had athletic clubs that you kind of went to if you were good in school, yeah. but for the for the average Joe, we, we didn't have mm. running clubs, and that's what's great about today. It is it's it? for everybody. Yeah. It's such an interesting point because I've often thought when I was interviewing Richard, he was talking about doing races way back when you know the Great South Run wasn't here and stuff, and I did ask him in particular like the running scene must have been so different then. I mean, it, I guess there's just such a contrast now, is there? There's oh, a lot yeah. more runners, a lot more clubs. Yeah, everybody who ran was was pretty good runner. In, in the older days mm -hmm. really so I mean I, I was when I first started running I was nine minute miler but I was slow yeah so a nine minute miler nowadays is is probably quite a reasonable pace yeah it's great isn't it it's just yeah. just goes to show just how much people have adopted running and taken it on board and it's become almost part of like, like the lifestyle like when you become a runner it does become a big part of your life yeah a lot of people so. and it, of course the difference between running and jogging it doesn't matter everybody's yeah. the same you still cross the finish line no matter what pace you do and nobody cares what pace you you do as long as you're enjoying it completely agree with you yeah. I, I couldn't agree more i just think you know it's not just about how fast you're running it's a very small piece of it and i admire the people who run fast and and i i try to aim i kind of keep it as like you know, a dream. I'm never going to get there, but it's just nice. Um, never say all, never. Well, never say never, but it's um, it's almost like a pull to to self improvement and keep improving. And it's it's a small part of the running, but I think it's it's worth worth mentioning as well. But that's good. Um, did you ever do any cross country at school or anything? Like no. That? Well, in Edinburgh, it was a city school. It was just a 
a, a normal school. It wasn't a public school with playing fields or anything like that. It was a concrete playground and we didn't, the only PE we ever got was hockey outdoors. So in all weathers, which was absolutely awful, mm. really put me off sport for what I thought was going to be a lifetime, actually. Really? Yeah, it was so cold and you were out there. Yeah. In those days, there was no PE kit. You wore, the girls wore navy blue knickers and a, a white blouse, which you had to wear for the rest of the day, yeah. tucked into your, your knickknacks. Mm. And, and you were out there in the snow playing hockey. That's funny. I can, Freezing. I've got, yeah, I can, I've, got some, <laughs> I've got similar memories. And it's amazing how many times you hear that from people where they've said, you know, back in school days, where we're forced to get dressed in these tiny little shorts in the middle of winter yeah, and yeah. tiny t-shirts. And, <laughs> and I can remember, you know, in school, you know, doing some running um, during PE or something, being forced to go out in your underpants. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was <laughs> atrocious. Well, you, we didn't have money to buy kits. Yeah. Is yeah. There a, and of course, if you got all sweaty, then you still had to wear that, that shirt for the rest of the day. Oh. So... It wasn't very nice. It wasn't attractive, really, was it? No, no. And I think, I think probably, you know, obviously I don't go to school now, and um, my kids are in school. But I think it's become a lot more. I think kids are not put off sports as much. I think there's a lot more encouragement in the schools. So that's always good. I think it's kind of going the right way, which is. And they've got more options of different things. A lot more options, yeah. A lot more options. So that's pretty good. Okay, so Debbie, um, you've. So you started running kind of with Bob, and, and how, how old were you when you, when you took your first run? Um, I Just was, for my first race, it was a Victory 5, and I was 38. Okay, gosh, yeah. so, okay, so, yeah. So, so I started later in life um, running as well, I wasn't a runner as a kid at all, in fact I hated running, <laughs> so it's just interesting to know, to know when you mm. took your first, and that Victory five miles still happens in the in the city I as well? I think it does yeah but yeah. although the routes will be different we used to do it would start at the Mount Basin Centre and you'd do a couple of laps up the main road we used to right. run on the main road so obviously oh, okay. this was a long time ago when the roads were a lot quieter on a Sunday and mm. uh, I remember being lapped by all the faster runners because you come right. up round Hillsy Lido okay. and then you used to finish in the Mountbatten Centre on the track, and you had to run around that track for the last part. Right, okay. So, yeah, so that started, was my first race. So it started and finished somewhere else then? It was a, a, a point-to-point rather than a back Yeah, to started at Mountbatten just outside and finished on the track. Okay. I've heard, I've heard a lot of people talking about the Victory yeah. 5, so I think it's probably the same yeah. event, maybe yeah. a different route. Um, how much you said about the roads, that's quite interesting because... Yeah, there was, well, in those days, you didn't see traffic on a Sunday. Wow. So there was okay. a lot of road races. There's a lot of road races that don't happen anymore hmm. because the roads were just too busy now. And they wouldn't even have Dangerous. to shut the roads, would they? they were, you would just no, run on them? No, I don't think they were. They just wow. okay. that's, overflowed that's from the pavement onto the road. There was no parked cars, so you didn't have all of that hmm. to contend with either. So. So that, so that was obviously a race, so you'd managed to somehow go from that very first awful run, breathing, <laughs> on, breathing on the lampposts. It wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got similar memories running up and down South Sea Seafront when I first started running, um, so I can appreciate the, the, the feeling there. Um, so you'd obviously trained for this five mile ahead, you'd, had you done any structured training or was it just a, I'm going to go and try a race? Well, when I was 32 I was diagnosed with lupus. Right. And I already had Raynaud's, so I'd been diagnosed in my 20s with Raynaud's. So um, with the lupus, they said that I'd be on medication for the rest of my life and it would be heavy medication and one of the drugs would be steroids, which would make my bones brittle. So I'd have to modify my lifestyle somewhat because I'd have to be very careful what I did so that I didn't break my bones. Hmm. So I thought, 
Hmm. I don't like the sound of that very much. Right. So yeah. um, I realised that with Bob doing his, his running all the time, I knew he was he was quite strong. And I, I did my own research and found out that weight-bearing exercise builds bone mass, okay. no matter how old you are. So I thought, well, if I can take up the running again, give it a go this time, and it might let me reduce the medication a little bit. Mm-hmm. possibly because I didn't like the sound of that brittle bones you know just picking yeah. up a shopping bag and break a wrist or something it sounded quite nasty mm-hmm. so when luckily at the hotel where I worked at the time which was Holiday Inn if you're staff you're allowed to use the gym okay. free free membership so I used to go in there and every time I was in there I'd just walk on the treadmill on the uphill and the chap who was on the treadmill next to me was a Portsmouth jogger Oh, wow. Okay. And it, he was he was an older guy, which is probably a lot younger than I am now, which is quite funny. But to me, he seemed like an older, an older guy. Yeah. He must have been in his 50s. I was 30, 30-odd. Okay. So he he just started coaching me, saying, well, wrap it up a bit, you know, just run a little bit and walk a little bit. And there was mirrors in front of us. So he'd say, look at your shoulders there. Just relax your shoulders. Make sure your arms are swinging forward and back and just smile and enjoy it. And just, just through this he, random encounter? Yeah, just, just through this random encounter. So every time I went in... Arthur was there mm. and he'd say, right, so let's see if we can get, you know, a bit more running this time, less walking. Did he, so, did he know about, about the lupus? No, he didn't know anything about okay. it then. So he was uh, just kind of coaching me through. And before we knew it, after a few weeks, I was running three miles. Okay. And I thought, this is unbelievable. I can run three miles non-stop. <laughs> and chatting, we were chatting at the same time. Yeah. And he'd be doing a lot faster pace than me, sweat pouring off him. Mm-hmm. But he was quite a good runner at the time, quite, okay. quite well known in the club. You, uh, what was his name, sorry? Arthur. Arthur Biles, I think his name Biles, was. Okay. I don't know where he is these days. But so what he was, mentioning these people? Because, yeah, he was, you know, people all know him yeah. from, the, from old. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he was a captain on ferries. And he used to work oh. shifts, so he, he had some... So yeah, one day when I got into the, the gym and it was really busy and he said, look, he said, go outside for your run today. Because I'd never been outside for the run. Okay. So I went outside, ran along the seafront, came back, he said, where did you get to? And I told him and he says, you've just run five miles. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. No more treadmill for me because running on the seafront, yeah. I was just blown away. I don't know why I hadn't thought of it before. You weren't, you weren't blown away Is physically it? by the wind. No, you were, you were no, I was just blown away by the, the sound of the waves and the birds singing and the wind in the trees and, and everybody who's running past you smiling or giving you a high five. And and I, I just thought, oh, this is this is for me. Mm. That's that, that's so interesting you say that. And, and it's it's that's an incredible story in itself. It just goes to show how keen other runners are to help people. I think it's, it's a really good display of, of what runners are like generally so this man obviously Arthur had helped you yeah he was really and, good and got you out there and and it's interesting what you said about the sounds and stuff because we often ignore that sometimes when we're out running yeah you know? I, I can't understand people that wear earphones to be honest because no, I love nature sounds yeah yep. and then you talk to people as well I've met mm. so many people while I've been running and particularly in races yeah. Over the years, I've met hundreds of people mm. that I've made friends with. Now, nowadays, you go to speak to someone if you've got the earphones in. I know. You can't say, no you chance. Feel like you can't say hello no or you can't greet. No. Yeah. I'm the same. If I'm running out, I'll generally greet most runners I see. Sometimes I might be struggling myself. and, and might be Even if it's just a smile. Yeah. That might be yeah. the only smile these people see all day. So, Correct. You know. Yeah. And a smile's worth a lot. Give, I know, I know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's, that's so interesting that kind of Arthur helped get you out. And, yeah. And from, from then on, was it, was it a I'm going to run outside kind of thing? Or? Yeah, I never went back on a treadmill. I used to do my gym work, the weights and things, and then mm. I'd, I'd go out for my run. 
Okay. Now, yeah. Debbie, um, uh, I saw a video that you'd sent me um, about a Project 500, that it was called, um, and you kind of told the story about how you'd been diagnosed with lupus. Um, can you can you go into a little bit about that and just kind of tell us, you know, how that how that all came about and what happened in the days leading up to it and 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 afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for a few, for quite a few months, I'd been getting some really weird symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, anything from um, headaches, dizziness, double vision, stiff joints where my hands would lock, and I, I had to shake them to to loosen them off, and okay. trouble with my walking. Just, just out of the blue, all just sorts suddenly... Of, yeah, it just came on gradually, and it, okay. you kind of put it all down to, oh, I've been working too hard, or oh, I've not been sleeping too well, and and it, and it then it, eventually I thought, this list is growing longer and longer. So I wrote it all down, I went to the, the GP, and they, they did a few tests, couldn't find anything wrong with me. And then, I think it was probably a few months later, Bob was at work, he was a postman at the time in Cosham, okay. and... Um, I woke up in the morning and I was dying for a wee and I was trying to get out of bed, but I couldn't move. And oh, I thought, right. blimey, I've had a stroke. That's frightening. I, I was curled yeah. up like you, you sleep and, and I couldn't uncurl. Right. And my hands were locked and my neck was really stiff. And I, I thought, God, what, what's going on here? So rolled myself off the bed, crawled to the telephone and called my GP, emergency Saturday service. And he said, pop round right now. So I thought, <laughs> How am I going to get round? Well, I walked up there like Quasimodo because I couldn't stand up, right? So you obviously managed to somehow... I managed to somehow get some clothes on and uh, got round there and he had me in there for two hours testing Mm -hmm. all sorts of tests because I was getting chest pains and and all seeing double and... You must have had all sorts of things. It was really scary, really scary. So um, after about two hours of having me lying down and leaving me wired up to this, that and the next thing... He then writes a letter, calls an ambulance, hands the letter to the ambulance driver and says, get her up to QA ASAP. You must, you must have been... I was, I was thinking, because Bob's at work, I think, yeah. what, what's going on here? And then um, he wheels me into A&E. Well, Saturday morning, you can imagine A&E, can't you? It's, it's packed in mm, there. Yeah. So they wheel me up to the desk, hand the letter over, this nurse opens the letter and she shouts out, get her in now. So it was like all hell let loose. There was like a crash team around me and they were wiring me up and Debbie, it was I, just I, I really, imagine, really scary. I can't imagine what that must have felt like. Really I, scary. I would have been my... wanting someone to call, just to tell me, explain what's going on. Yeah, but... I, I was just absolutely bewildered because mm. I thought, what is going on here? So all these four doctors, loads of nurses, I was getting wires, wires plugged in, bloods taken out, all sorts of tests going on, prodding and fumbling around. And then about two hours later, the um, one doctor came up and he said, well, the good news is we know what's wrong with you, but the bad news is you've got lupus. Wow. And I'd never heard of it before. And, and he looked so grim that I I actually said to him, well, how long have I got? Oh, my because I really thought, you know, that this was it. Right. So uh, it was really scary. So you were preparing yourself for, yeah. for you know, the look on his face. Yeah. For, for terrible, and then terrible he, he says, uh, oh, well, it's not quite that bad. He says, um, we have got medication, so you should live till 50. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I thought, well, it, it, thanks it very is, much. It is that bad. Yeah. <laughs> it is oh. that bad. So I thought, well, that doesn't sound too far away. I'm, I'm 32 now, so, you know, how did you 50. How did you feel when he, when he told you that? I mean, was it was it a, a big It was just... I was just speechless. I, I, I just kind of, I think I burst out crying actually, and, mm. and it, 
I, I didn't know what to do. I thought, well, I'd never really been ill. I'd never been in hospital for anything. Right. And uh, I was terrified. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, really oh. terrified. And I think they actually, thinking back, I think they actually got in touch. They said, where's your, where's your husband? What family have you got? And I said, he's a postman. He's, he's actually probably quite near the hospital because it was in Cosham. So they sent the police out to find him. Okay. So there's the police at the bottom of one of the roads where Bob was delivering the mail. Right. And they go, Mr. Pentland? And of course he's thinking, God, Deb's been well, in an accident or something. Said, oh, your wife's up at the QA and she's all right, she's all right. Okay. But uh, so they had to bring him up to the, the QA. Gosh, he had just had to, to be with me. around what he was doing and, yeah, and just, just yeah. there in the hospital. Okay. So uh, that was a bit scary for him as well. So it sounds like the initial treatment you got from the ambulance service and the NHS they were the brilliant. was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Wow, that's really good. So, how, how I mean, how long did you have to stay in the hospital for after that? Um, I think they sent me home that night, actually. Okay, so you Because they ready. said, we'll book you in with a rheumatologist. Mm -hmm. And um, I got an appointment. This was on a Saturday, and I had an appointment on Monday morning. Yep. They phoned me up at home and said, we've got you an appointment with rheumatology. And uh, they'll sort out the medication for you. Okay. So, yeah, and off we went. Was it with all that news and all that to kind of digest? Yeah, it was a, it was a lot to take yeah, in. It must have been a very emotional days and weeks afterwards. Yeah, how um was was the treatment pretty much immediate afterwards? Then was it, it was obviously a no, it was a nightmare. Um, it takes ages because they put you on a cocktail of drugs. So you've okay. got anti-inflammatories, you've got the steroids, you've got the painkillers because a lot of pain with it as well. And then there's all kinds of uh, auto, because it's autoimmune, so they've right. got the, the immune enhancer drugs. Okay. So they need a cocktail of about six drugs. Mm. So, of course, I'd be seeing the rheumatologist once a month. Okay. So if they the drugs weren't working, they'd tweak it and say, well, we'll drop that one, we'll try this one. So all oh, the wow. side effects right. of all those drugs, I was being sick all the time and I was absolutely shattered oh that'd be awful and so, obviously yeah. during this time you're not able to get out and do anything well i was just working and sleeping okay. i'd go to work i'd come home i'd go straight to bed bob would wake me up a couple of hours later give me something to eat and i'd go back to sleep again okay. and this was my life for about five six years wow okay and obviously it was after that point that you met arthur in the gym and got yourself was that yeah. um, that that process did you were you initially set on trying to get off this medication that you've been oh on gosh yeah well I, I was just a zombie i was i used to watch bob coming back from a run and i was so jealous because oh. you know yourself you've got that high when you get yeah, back and you're glowing and mm. and it, and i say oh you had a good run and he says yeah yeah and, and oh and i just used to be so jealous and almost angry at myself because i i couldn't join him and, and do something like that. Yeah. And, and it, I, must, it must have been terrible for him as well, going out and just knowing that you Yeah, that it you must have been this because he probably didn't want to come back and say, oh, that was great, yeah. you know, because he, yeah. he's knowing the poor Deb, she can't do it. Yeah. But in a way, it was good because it, it made me just suddenly say one day, right, that's it. This is not going to be my life. It, it looks like I'm going to have to mm. take it into my own hands here because the drugs, although they, they help, they're, they're not making me feel normal. Yeah. So, when so it was keeping it was keeping the side it was of, keeping it, was it at the, bay. Yeah, Once okay. they got the the cocktail right, then I was able to to do some exercise, some gentle exercise. So I started with, for example, a gentle yoga class I used to go to mm -hmm. for an hour and a half. And the first time I went, and there was all these people with all different diseases there, and people in wheelchairs, and great bunch. They were all up for the same okay. thing, trying to help themselves. And she started us off with relaxation on the floor. Mm -hmm. And at once I put my head down, I'd been at work in the morning 
And <laughs> next minute I feel a stroke in my arm and it's an hour and a half later, oh the class goodness. is finished. And I, I'm saying, oh, sorry, I dropped off. She said, dropped off, you've been away for an hour and a half. Oh my goodness. I said, why didn't you wait me? She said, I figured you needed it, so I left you. Oh, I, said, I wasn't snoring, was I? I hope not. That's the first question anybody but asks yeah. themselves, yeah. So after gentle yoga, I started doing that regularly and then added in something else, added in something else, and then I got into the gym. Okay, and you, were working, you said you were working at the time at the holiday and yeah, so yeah. you had access to the gym. I was breakfast gym. chef there. I had two okay. jobs, breakfast chef there in the morning and a telephonist job at Hendy Ford okay. in the afternoon. That so. holiday inn, was that the one that's... Um, yeah. The yeah, yeah. Okay. Perfect right. for running on the seafront, isn't it? Say, yeah, it's a good starting point. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Wow, so, um, so I'm, I'm interested to hear a little bit about how that process of getting off the medication um, happened? Was it, was it, that was hard. Was it quick? Was it hard? I, I was no, ask that was quick. hard. That, um, that took me six years from when I was diagnosed to getting off the meds, mm -hmm. by which time I was, I was doing a bit of the running now. I was doing some gym work. I was swimming in the pool. And of course I cycle everywhere. Okay. Albeit slowly, but, um, I was getting fitter and fitter and the rheumatologist was taking me down the dosage and then he'd say, well, how do you feel about dropping that, that drug? And I said, yeah, yeah, go for it. He said, I'll see you next month. So if you need to go back on, mm -hmm. then that'll be fine. So we got doing it like that. One drug, drop that, next drug, drop. Then I was just left on one drug, okay. which was um, immunosuppressant. So we said, well, we'll keep you on that. And I said, well, I feel really good. Can I try without that one? And he said, well, I'm not, I'm not too happy about that. And I said, well, you're seeing me next month. I said, if I, if I can't handle it, I'll go back on. So he said, oh, all right then. So um, after the month, I went back mm -hmm. and he said, well, how are you getting on then? And I bought out my medal of the Great South Run. Fantastic. And that was my second race I'd ever done. And I said, well, I did this yesterday. And he nearly fell off the chair. That's amazing. <laughs> I can't believe that. What, what, a, what a great answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> so you actually took the medal in? I did, I that's, took the medal in. He said, but, he said, but that's 10 miles. I said, yep. I said, and I ran the whole thing. Oh. And he was, he was just amazed. That's, I was amazed. That fills me with the most yeah. joy ever. That's, that's brilliant. But the funny thing is, I didn't tell Bob that I was running again because I'd okay. failed in so many trials before. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell him that I was secretly training. He knew I was ah, doing the gym, but he didn't okay. know I was on the treadmill. So you didn't know that you were entering the Great South? Even no, before. no, I entered it and okay. they sent the envelope through and I opened it and it looked like a lot of junk mail. So I threw it all out. Oh. So it got to, <laughs> got to about two weeks before and Bob's number came through. And I said, oh, where's mine? And he says, what do you mean, where's yours? I said, well, I'm doing it. He went, yeah. And I said, no, I am. And I had to go into the, the council offices and tell them that I'd thrown away my number. Because oh, right. I said, well, I did get an envelope, but they used to send you all these leaflets with your number. Okay. So I just thought it was junk mail and just threw it out. So they had to they wish you another, another number. So did they charge you for that? <laughs> no, okay, no. That's good. That's good. Wow. So Bob was obviously really impressed yeah, he and was, happy. And he was, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you got around that run, you said you didn't have to walk any of it. Yeah, That's well, I trained up to eight miles and I thought, well, at the worst, I can walk the last two. Okay. And it was um, it was quite a reasonable day. I can't remember the weather exactly, but I got chatting with this girl who was running for some charity or other because her mum had some disease or other. Right. And we were just chatting the whole way around. Mm -hmm. And we got to the eight mile and I said, okay, this is, this is new territory for me now. And she said, yeah, me too. So I said, well, we'll just play it by ear. We'll just keep running and see if we can do it. And we did. 
crossed the finish line, threw her arms around each other. Never met this woman before in my life. Yep. Never seen her since. Right. But oh, uh, you'd have thought we were we were best buddies. Mm. It's great, isn't it? When we're both around. burst out crying when we crossed the finish line. Yeah, yeah. It's nice that you can kind of share just that that piece yeah, of the journey. Yeah, but together. that's the beauty of running, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Now, really if is. she'd had earphones in and me, we'd never have met. Yeah, so all those runners so. out there that wear, that wear earphones, yeah, think about them. it next time. Get rid of them. They're no good. Unless, so, have you ever seen those those bone conductors? I've heard about them, yeah. Mm. But uh, but then if, if I see someone with earphones in and I'm coming up behind them, I won't bother talking to them because they, I think, well, <coughs> you don't know what kind of earphones they are. So mm. usually if you speak to them, they don't hear you with the normal ones. Yeah. With the bone conductors, I believe they would hear you. But, but you don't know what kind they are so people yeah, are not going to yeah. speak to you i've been wanting to try the bone conducting ones actually because i do sometimes i have a couple of times listened to podcasts on my run yeah um and i do find that's okay especially when it's an early morning run especially you when you're doing out. your ultras yeah well, a lot of the big mileage uh, <laughs> there is um there is a podcast out there which i do listen to called talk ultra and right. each show is about two to three hours long. so that would be inspirational keeping you going it'd be perfect yeah, yeah it is absolutely perfect okay so i mean that's i inspiring i it really is not just saying that um i think to get off all that medication and get back out running and purely relying on exercise as a form of replacing medication you know and healthy eating i changed i changed my diet a lot but you see in those days there was no internet there was no um high-tech stuff we didn't have fancy watches there was no Mm. mobile phones nothing that so anything you wanted to find out was the library you had okay. to go to the library and dig out the books. And that's what you did? That's what I did. So I dug out everything on alternative therapies, on healthy eating, on anything I could find on immune system diseases. There was nothing on lupus because it's it's so rare. Um, so I just managed to get a, a few bits and pieces and tried everything. So reflexology, Reiki, massage, you name it, I've tried it. Okay. Aromatherapy, colour therapy. Wow, so lots. So lots anything of natural things, yeah. that didn't have side effects, mm. I would give it a go. Okay. And then after six years, I got off all the meds and stayed drug free for sixteen years. Okay. So for the lupus drugs, no more. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And also, my, I guess the, the point to kind of maybe end this in this this bit of the discussion is: were the teams that helped you out and your doctor and stuff surprised at that, or did they ever expect that that would happen? No, they they didn't mention anything about exercise because they, they said that you, you probably wouldn't be able to do the exercise mm-hmm. because of the information and everything. Uh, didn't mention anything about what's your diet like, have you thought about changing this, that and the next thing. <coughs> nothing like that, which yeah. I found quite disappointing and yeah. nothing's really changed much over the years, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, this, these days I come across a lot more discussions and and even professional discussions about things like replacing medication with exercise replacing medication with mindfulness yeah replacing uh, medication i mean th- there are even studies now being done with hallucinogenic drugs which which you know have always been banned yeah um and things that are illegal and people are actually now studying these and spending money on on studies to see if they can improve people's lives and i just think it's your story is such a good show not obviously not of illegal, illegal drugs, but uh, the, the fact that, <laughs> that exercise can can be so beneficial and so good. And the thing is with exercise is you say to people, well, I don't like exercise, and you think, well, come on, there must be something that you like, even if it's just breathing exercises. Because mm. uh, with um, you, you can just do some simple breathing exercises in some fresh air, and that's going to be better for you than sitting in a darkened room. Absolutely. If you're not feeling too good. 
Yeah, that's pretty sure. Sometimes the idea of going outside when it's cold or when it's wet or when it's raining is so bad, but the actual practice of doing it. Oh, when I, love, you're done I love walking in the rain. Just to, oh yeah, I love it. Another All person the, who likes the rain. Don't well, you? <laughs> negative ions. People don't know about negative ions. That's the good guys. And whenever you buy water, particularly mm -hmm. running water, people feel good. Yeah. And it's because the negative ions in the air. Uh -huh. They're the feel good guys. I didn't, I didn't know that. I'm going to have to go. Yeah, you are. You learned something now. <laughs> I, was, I, was on, I was YouTube hopping last night and came across a, a frequency, a hertz frequency, that they've, um, they suggest is good for you to, to listen to. And it is just a, a kind of like monotone frequency. Right. But they mix it in with, with quite natural, calming music. Ah, so you've, got this, you've yeah. got this single tone running in the background, and apparently it's good for you. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I listened to it for a little while. I don't know whether it helped me fall asleep <laughs> or not, but um, it's always good to just try yeah, these things. Yeah, good. And, uh, yeah. 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 Excellent. Um, so Debbie, that's, that's amazing in itself, and um, I know we've chatted a little bit before, and I've and I've watched your your a previous kind of shortened version of your of your story with lupus and stuff. Um, and I remember on that video you saying that uh, after coming off the medication, you were back running marathons, and you were doing was it the Beachy Head Marathon? Yeah, I do that every year. Oh, you do? Yeah. How many times have you run it? Um, I think this year will be the eleventh. Gosh. Wow. Something like that. Because that's, yeah. that's a really tough terrain. Yeah, my first marathon, marathon was London. Okay. That was um that was really good. But um yeah, Beachy Head's off road, so it's to me it's like two different sports, road running and off road running. Mm -hmm. It's like a completely different sport. Absolutely. It's like pool swimming and outdoor swimming. Yeah. Two different sports. Yeah, it is completely treadmill running and and outside running. Yeah. Same two same different. same exercise, yeah. completely different, but yeah. it's amazing how things do differ like that. Um, back to the London Marathon. Um, I didn't know you'd run that. Uh, oh, yeah. Where, where in the timeline was London then? London was my first marathon. Um, I've done London seven times now. Okay. Um, all for charity. Mm -hmm. So the first one was advertised in, in the gym when I used to do my running with, with Arthur there, and he was getting me slow. And after I did the Great South, I thought, hmm, what's next? So that went on to the Gosport half. And then okay. I thought after a half, there was a... I noticed in the gym looking for someone to run the London Marathon for hearing dogs for the deaf. Okay. And because I love all natural sounds, uh, this poster just seemed to grab me and think, I can't imagine being deaf, not being able to hear birdsong, waves and trees and, and all of that sort of stuff. And I, I just knew that I had to take that place. Okay. I had to, to run for something them and try and... Something Yeah, you. just... Yeah. So I got in touch with them and I said, I've never run a marathon before. And they, they said, yeah, yep, place is yours. So you get free place. But they asked you to raise, I think it was then about £1,000 or something. Okay. Well, right. because it was my first marathon and people who all knew me thought, this is going to be tough for you, yeah. you know. Yeah. And they knew challenge. about my illness by now. So they were all throwing money at me. This was the days before Just Giving. People had to write it on a form. I, I remember taking a paper form. form. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um... I got £1,800, I think it was, for hearing dogs. Wow, right. So I followed the Runner's World programme because I thought, well, I walk, run, mm -hmm. get me round in five hours. Under five hours was my target. Was that a, sorry, was that a magazine subscription yeah, at the time? Yeah, yeah, Runner's okay. World, yeah. Yep. So I was following their, their regime, of their, which was running three times a week, <coughs> and trying to stick as much to it as I could. Mm -hmm. And then when I finally did it, I did 4.33. Fantastic. So I was amazed that I was able to run the whole thing and I crossed that finish line with arms in the air, crying my eyes out. And the picture of me is the guy beside me who was absolutely slastering at the mouth, looked as if he was going to drop dead. 
and there's me with my arms in the air with this enormous grin on my face and he spoiled my picture but Aww. in a way he kind of <laughs> makes me look good looks better yeah yeah <laughs> having that contrast is sometimes yeah. nice but the annoying thing is this was the year before they got the chip timing oh right okay so there's no evidence to say that i've done 433 and it's not going to be on Strava. But it's course. not going to be on Strava. <laughs> so um, that tree-lined avenue that you see on the Red Star on yes. London, I started at the observatory right at the back. Okay. Because that went on for, for, for... I thought, well, I'll start at the back because I'm going to be really slow. Mm. So it took us 27 minutes to cross the start line. Because so the girl were... next to me had a snazzy watch on and right. she went, oh, I won't repeat the words she said, but... You can if you want to. <laughs> swear word, swear word, swear word. That's taken us, yeah. swear word, swear word, swear word. 27 wow. minutes to cross the swear word. Wow. So, right, yeah. yeah. So I thought, right, under the time. 27 minutes, take that off my time when I get to the finish. 4.33. Fantastic. Gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. And the emotion at the end Oh, was, no, I was couldn't big. believe it. And the funny thing was, I only did the marathon because Bob had said, oh, I really fancy doing one marathon. Mm-hmm. So he entered, got yep. a place, and... Uh, he was injured, so he couldn't do it. Oh, no. So, so I was, was the first Pentland to do a marathon. <laughs> Brilliant. Have, have you, yeah, he, he was there supporting me. He was, okay. So he was waiting for you at the end. And yeah, yeah. Had, had you gone around different bits of the route to the yeah, yeah. one? <laughs> what, what, was, what was London like then when you first did it? Because I know at the moment oh, it's so fantastic. hard to get in. It's, it's really difficult to get a place. Well, it, it was always hard to get in. Oh, okay. um, but with the Healing Dogs place, obviously, if you get a charity yeah. place, so you, you get... And then after that, I ran for lupus. So every okay. year after that. So I've raised over £10,000 for lupus. £10,000? Yeah, running London Marathon. Wow. And I'd okay. always do it in fancy dress. So wow. each year I'd have a different fancy dress outfit. I'm, I'm going to get onto the fancy dress so. later because that, that's, that's a topic <laughs> that we crowd, can't avoid. the crowd, they love you. Yeah. When, when you're watching London and all these boring runners coming towards you and no one's got the name on or anything and you think, mm. oh, well done, well done. And then you see a fancy dress runner and it... They just light up. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. And they, oh, and I was Wilma Flintstone, I think the first fancy dress <laughs> one I did. And they were going, Wilma! And they're shouting out, Where's Fred? Yeah. By the time I got to 22 miles, I thought, If someone else shouts out, Where's Fred? I'm going to club them with my. Because <laughs> it, it was fantastic. So, what's, what's your fancy dress collection like at home? Do you oh, it massive. Must be humongous. Massive. Well, you've seen me at Park Run. I've got a I few. I indeed. Yeah, I've had of all sorts. In fact, if you're not in fancy dress at Park Run, I'm, I'm <laughs> kind of disappointed. So. But it just sort of takes the seriousness away because no one expects yeah. you to run fast if you're dressed up. Although, mm. the outfits that I wear are, are really lightweight and easy to, easy to wear and run in. Have you... Not like a rhino or something crazy no, like that. No, 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 no. You do see some people dressed oh, in some, some horrific things sometimes. Unbelievable. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's really interesting because I, th- I think you you inject such a lot of fun into South Sea Park Run and generally down on the seafront whenever I see you yeah. out and about, you really do. I, I don't know if you know how much you do, but you, know, you, really, you really brighten the day every time, so... Well, I, I get quite annoyed with people when they, they mourn about a run and they say, oh, that, that was crap, that was crap. No run is crap. Mm. If you're able to run, you should think yourself lucky. But of course, these people have never had it taken away from them. Mm, yep. when, when you've had it taken away from you, and when I was diagnosed with the LEMS, they said I'd never run again. Yeah. So when I got back running, I said, I don't care. I used to, to just say, just just don't care what, what time I do. I don't care how slow I go. Just let me get back. Let me get back. Yeah. I and think, like you, said, back. you 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 can never. I mean, even for myself, I I, have, I, don't, I haven't suffered from anything like an illness like that. It's it's really difficult to understand and get a feeling for how that must feel. Obviously, we've been injured. Um, 
I've, I've been injured a few times and that's oh they suck don't they it's but you know from an injury you're going to get back correct from an illness you don't know no, you're going to get back no, no no and you're right and I think you know as, as frustrating as it is sometimes to hear people say you know oh, my running was crap and stuff like that everyone's kind of got their own journey to go on and it might happen to them in the future you never know but obviously hope not but it's just one of those things that I don't think you can kind of give to people in their minds strongly no enough. you've got to go through it if, absolutely yeah and um but it's good, uh, you know, again, that contrast of having something taken away from you and then going back to it gives you so much more enjoyment. And that's why I'm always happy because I, yeah. I just, uh, I'm like a cat with nine lives. I've, you know, had Absolutely. it taken, I've only got a few left, actually. I've only got, I think I've only got a couple left. So, but hey ho. Debbie, just quickly, um, uh, I hope you're okay for time and stuff. Yeah, sure. The, um, Beachhead Marathon, you did. I saw, on the, I saw on the video you had something happen to you during what during one of those attempts. Can you tell us a bit about that? Because obviously this yeah. was another, yet another setback. And well, it was my thirteenth marathon, mm-hmm. um, and it, the week before we always stay in Beachhead for a week before we we hire a cottage there, stay for the week, have a nice holiday there, and I'd been feeling really really tired, and I'd I'd had trouble just getting from sitting to standing and I said to Bob, well, I think my lupus is playing up here. There's something, something's not quite right. Yeah, well, I I couldn't think what else it was. So um, I thought, well, in those days, the Beachy Head, they took in 500 walkers, 500 joggers and 500 runners. So I'd entered as a jogger. Mm -hmm. But if you wanted to walk it, because they allow you nine hours. So I said to Bob, well, it's a nice morning. I'll just walk round or or just jog walk. So I got round to about six mile mark and my legs just went from under me. I thought, what's going on here? I just collapsed. I just collapsed down in the middle of the woods. And I thought, this isn't good. So then I I just sat there for a little while thinking, hmm, just have a little rest. Then I stood up and I was literally picking up my leg and moving it forward to say, come on, come on, get get with it, get with it. So I started going again. And then it was a nice downhill section for the next mile or so. So downhill. And then I got on another couple of miles and I was really struggling and I thought, my breathing's gone funny. Oh, this is this is not right. And one of my friend's dads was was supporting okay. at Alfriston, which is about nine mile mark, I think. And uh, he said he'd give me a lift back to the finish because I thought, I've had enough, I can't, can't do it. So he said, well, hop in the car, mm-hmm. I'll drive you to the finish. But first, I want to go to the start of the Seven Sisters because we'll cheer on the rest of the, the faster runners okay. so I thought yeah alright then so I'll just sit in the car so anyway by the time I'd sat in the car for 20 minutes half an hour to get to the seven sisters I felt a lot better I felt energised so I said well let me out here and I'll just finish off and do the last six so I've done the first seven or eight or something okay. and I'll do the last six yeah. how I got round those seven sisters I will never know because I just kept collapsing at each one as oh, I got there so you were crossed you the finish line over. flopped to the ground so legs just went from under me again. Gosh, you and were I couldn't deter- stand up. Yeah, and I, I, I thought, well, they, they've got to kick in soon. They've got to kick in soon. Mm. But I was just so exhausted. Right. Okay. And then a couple of days later, well, when we were driving home, I slept in the back mm-hmm. while Bob was driving home. And then a couple of days later, I was whisked into hospital. Okay. Phoned up my rheumatologist and said, uh, you know, I'm seeing double here and blah Something's blah blah. Yeah. And he said, get up here now. So luckily at that very point, a friend of mine had come round the house because they wanted to see if I was all right from the weekend. And I just burst out crying as soon as I opened the door and I said, I've got to go to the hospital. So he drove me up there. 
yeah. and they wheeled me in in a wheelchair because I couldn't stand. All sorts of things must have been going through your mind. Yeah. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're probably just thinking, oh no, back on the meds. I know, and I on? thought, here we go, what next? Okay. But yeah, so that was that was me in the hospital for six weeks. Okay. And you were diagnosed with, with something from... Ten from days this... later, I was right. diagnosed with Lambertite myasthenia. Okay, which is... Which is autoimmune again because okay. if, if you have one autoimmune disease you are prone to others okay right um so they, they didn't know much about lems because it's only one in two million people that have it wow so it's right. very rare yeah. and i didn't fit the profile because it's quite often men quite often people who have been a smoker mm-hmm. well i've never been a smoker and um it quite often means that you've got cancer present in the body so right. i thought okay. what next what next wow. so when i couldn't move it's the message from the brain doesn't hit the muscles in my senior okay. so i couldn't talk and it was all coming out slurry right, right. couldn't swallow my own saliva because my throat muscles weren't working mm-hmm. couldn't hold my head up because the muscles uh, in my right. neck right. didn't work and I couldn't lift my arms and, and I couldn't lift you my legs. Had, your legs were kind of giving yeah. out from beneath The legs you. go first in limbs. Okay. So the legs go first, then the arms. And I couldn't lift my arm up mm. from the side of my body. So this, so, was, gra- this was something that was gradually getting worse. This getting was gradually worse. getting worse as the, okay. the days went. So I was in ICU for about 10 days, yep. just lying on my back, crying my eyes out, thinking I'm not getting out of here. Yeah, terrible so, state to be in, yeah. Oh. I can't imagine what uh, what that must have felt like. Yeah, so <laughs> terrifying. Like, very terrifying, and also just on top of the lupus. That yeah, you well, that to was over. it because I thought, well, they'd already told me that they didn't think it was the lupus. Mm. So after ten days, they said we're going to transfer you to Southampton Neurological because we think okay. it's something neurological. Yeah. So um. So it was ten days in there. That's ten days in QA. Thank you. Okay. Being sorted out by a rheumatologist first okay. he got the neurologist from southampton to come and see me in the qa and she was very good and she suspected myasthenia okay. and uh, she whisked me off into their neurological unit where she absolutely brilliant okay and i was in there for about nearly five weeks okay wow right that's a long that's a really long time to be uh yeah. In a state of unknown. But and, yeah, and unable to move, not not being able to, to feed myself. I had a nose tube put up for that they could put water, medication, mm. feed. Everything went up through my nose because I couldn't okay. swallow anything. Yeah. Okay. So it's almost like yeah, having, to, having to kind of help oh, yeah. you get, get the nutrition in you yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you, after that time in hospital and the medication they were giving you, that eventually got everything working again? But you yeah, nine drugs. Nine drugs? Nine different drugs. Three months of physiotherapy. Lots of side effects from the drugs, I guess, as Ooh, well. yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But eventually, I, I thought, well, I've done it before. So they said, you, you won't get off these drugs. Um, when they came to my bed to tell me what it was I had. Because Southampton is a teaching hospital. Right. So, of course, they're thinking, well, rare species here. Let's get them all in. Okay. So every morning, I had six doctors around my bed. Really? Right. And they, they were all really interested in, in this Lambert eating myasthenia, you know, but, tell us more about it but I couldn't talk because when I tried to talk my mouth was filling up with saliva mm-hmm. so it was quite difficult and the eyes were were seeing double so that right. was all that uh, was You're really, in a bad scary, state. really really scary really yeah. I was having to be wheeled round by the nurses okay. into the shower even things like each part of my body was shutting down okay one after the other so then I, I couldn't pee you know, that because the, the I mean, message, everything, everything, yeah, yeah, everything yeah, comes yeah, yeah. from the brain and the message is not 
getting through. Mm. So I couldn't pee. So they were talking about putting in <coughs> catheters, catheters and, yeah. okay. and that scared me. Mm. So I think that scared me enough. So I used to go in the toilet and run water and that really? would help. <laughs> yeah. Just to get, just to get, just to get a pee out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so yeah. that worked a treat. <laughs> yeah. All these little tricks. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, wow. Okay. So they, um, you, you said um, earlier with the with the lupus that, that you know the doctors have some kind of expectation that you're never going to exercise again or you're never going to do this again. Now these doctors in Southampton. Oh, that was obviously... even worse. Well, because they don't know anything about. It, they said, well, we don't really know much about. Um, well, again, the, the, mm. when they came out and said, well, we know what you've got. It's because um, I had to have a lot of nerve muscle where they wire you up, and I was in that room for about three hours being electric shocks. Okay. going into your arms and legs to make your mm. arms and legs jump up and it was so painful and the tears were rolling down my face and I'm there in the hospital pyjamas that were soaked with my, with my tears and these oh. two neurology guys they were really really nice and they would say sorry about this I kept apologising I said just do just do what you've got to do so when they did all these tests and it was their tests that showed that I had lambetitomycemia okay. so when the specialist came round and he said well we know what it is you've got now. And I, I again, he looked really bad. And I said, well, how long have I got? So I thought, here we go again. Wow. And he, he says, no, no, he says, uh, I said, am I going to die? And he took my hand in both of his and he said, we're not going to let you die. We're going to find the medication, cocktail medication that will work. That works for you. But um, you won't be able to, you'll have to modify your lifestyle. And I, I said, oh, I've heard that before. <laughs> They didn't know who they were dealing with. Then. No, well, that was yeah. the funny part because the specialist nurse came round a couple of days later and she sat down with bed and she says, well, you won't be able to work again. Um, you will be on disability for the rest of your life and that's quite hard to, to get that. So we'll help you fill out the booklet. Okay. And Bob sat there and he's laughing at me and they, they, I said, what about running? And she says, oh, Sage, you won't be able to run again. She said, do you live in a house or a flat? I said, a house. She said, with stairs? I said, yes. She says, well, you'll have to get a stair lift put in because you're not going to manage those stairs. So Bob's just sat there and he's smiling and I'm sat there almost in tears and Bob's behind the nurse and he's smirking away and he you're starts probably laughing. Thinking, Why are you laughing? He starts <laughs> laughing and she turns around and he says, you don't know my wife. He says, no one tells her what to do. Just, just that little comment there. <laughs> is... And that was it. That was it from then. I thought, right, he's damn right. I've done it before. I've beat the lupus, and I'm yeah. going to damn well beat the slems as well. I think I think just that little sentence there, and that little moment there, must have been a real pickup moment. Yeah, like it was. Bob, Bob did well to say that. And yeah, I think that must so have really he, he believed in me. So yeah. he's. Yeah, when, when, when other <laughs> yeah. people believe in you, it, it really does. What I was help. thinking? What we're going to do with all that running kit I've got? I'm not giving that away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh dear, quite cracky. So, um, so was it a lengthy process to get back? Into oh yeah, exercise? three months. Three months of physio. Okay. had a fantastic physio they brought me back to QA for 10, 10 days of, of rehab yeah. and uh, the physio in there oh was this amazing guy a great big guy with with earrings everywhere you can imagine his name was Fungus Adams Fungus Adams yeah he changed his name really? it was something Adams but he changed it to Fungus so he, he walks and he's tattooed everywhere he's about 6 foot 4 or something and he, he's got his massive hands and he walks into the ward and he went Right then, Deborah. Hospital name, Deborah. He says, uh, normally I have trouble getting people in to um, exercise in the gym. He says, but I've been reliably informed that I'll have trouble getting you out. 
And I said, I said, who have you been talking to? And it was one of my running friends who worked as a physio Fantastic. up there. Fantastic. Okay. And she said, oh, you won't have any trouble with Deb. She says, you give her the exercises, she'll do them. Okay. And uh, yeah, and he works with me one-to-one. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh God, at first the exercise, I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Well, I couldn't it's... I couldn't get on an exercise bike because I couldn't lift my leg to get over the low bar. So then you had to do something to And then to I get could that. do half a minute okay. on there was all I could manage. Mm-hmm. But gradually and gradually I was in there every day. Whenever he wanted me, he knew where to find me. I was in the gym. Trust the process. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's difficult sometimes to start with those small steps, but yeah. you know, yeah. a few small steps make a big make a big leap. Yeah. So. And that was the funny thing when um, when I finally did get out because I had to have the nose tube in for three months. Mm-hmm. So everything had to go in through my nose. And I thought, well, it takes 12 hours to put this feed in because if you put it in too quick, you feel sick. Okay. <coughs> so I thought 12 hours. And they said, well, a lot of people sleep with the nose tube, with the feed going in, but it means you have to sleep sitting up. I thought, I can't do that. Right. So I need to lie down. So they said, well, there is a backpack we can get you. And you look like Ghostbusters with this thing. Yeah. And it's got a battery in it that okay. you can recharge a battery, hook the feed up. Right. And you can go out for a walk with this backpack. So yeah. that's what I used to do, get up in the morning, Bob was at work, put my battery on, put my backpack on, and I'd go for a walk along the seafront. Okay. So sit down, lamp post, have a little sit down, have a break, get up, do a little bit more. Every single day, no matter what the weather was, I was out there. Okay. And I'd have my backpack on, big old nose tube stuffed up. You were just determined. Yeah, to I get was. Out. Yeah. And it didn't matter whether it was pouring with rain, what it was, because it was this time of year. Hmm. It was December, January, February, and I just used to walk a little bit further each time I was out until I built it up. Yeah. So that's how I did it. Okay. And then eventually, you did, did you start? You started running again. Yeah. Well, one morning it was really sunny and really frosty. I think it was um, it was March, and. Because I'd booked in, we already had races booked, like like you've always got your races booked oh, yeah. well in advance. Yeah. So we had Edinburgh Marathon and things like that all set to do. I had the Bournemouth Half all set to do, which was April the 1st. Mm-hmm. So one day it was really, really frosty and I thought, oh, I'll just go out for a walk around the block. And I got out and I got down the seafront and there was this ray of sun coming from sunrise right across the water. Okay. And it just lifted my heart so much and yeah. I just burst into a run. And I ran the rest of the way home and I, and I got in and I knocked on my neighbour's door, take a picture, take a picture, I'm back, I'm back. Because <laughs> she was one of my running friends. Oh, wow, uh, okay. So that, that was that. And, and then, she um, pleased as well. Yeah, she was like, she, a big hug and come on in. And, but yeah, she was really pleased for me. And from and then on it was, that was, it, was, it. it was running. Well, the funny thing was the physio, I was still having physio, I was outpatient. Mm-hmm. And the physio had said, we don't want you doing any running. I'll tell you when you can run. I'll tell you when you can cycle. So she got on the phone one day and she says, uh, what's this? The little bird tells me you've been out running. And I went, uh, and I thought, who's told her that? So someone, one of my, it's probably another it, was, running it was my running friend who worked yeah. up there. She says, yeah, Deb's all right. She's been out for a run. And she's going, well, I told her she's not to run yet. And then she got, she actually got in touch with my neurologist and said, look, this patient of yours, she's not doing what I'm mm. telling her. And my neurologist says, you leave her be. She knows her own body. If she thinks she can run it, let her do it so then she Sounds left like me with that so well. oh no and then cycling I, I cycled up to the hospital rather than get the ambulance come and pick me up the outpatient one and I got up there and she said to me one day she says oh we're going to let you cycle next week and I went oh good because I've been cycling for the last two 
<laughs> she wasn't happy. Oh, what a great story. <laughs> I love that. I but you've got that. to have that mentality. Yeah. You know, to know what, if you know your body, mm. then you know, that if I couldn't do it, I wouldn't do it. That's that's the thing, isn't it? it it's, you, you, you raised such a good point there. You got to know your, you got to know yourself. You got to know your yeah. body. You've got to feel what you're able to do and what you're not able to do. And sometimes the book is there, like you know, the way you should be doing something is is documented. But, yeah. But we're all individuals. I never stick to the rules. No, we're all individuals. If never you feel have. like you want to do something, do it. I mean, yeah. I don't I, listen to anybody. No, no. I, I, I very stupid. I'm going to say stupidly because this is a podcast, and I don't want to give anybody <laughs> bad ideas. But I had a I had a stress fracture um, a few years ago, and had a, an appointment up at the Spire Hospital in Havant. And, and I ran to my appointment with the stress fracture. <laughs> Not a great idea. <laughs> no. Right? A lot of people out there will be... Will Did be you going, admit you had done that when I, you got I there? I admitted I had done it. And the, <laughs> the, the, the bone surgeon I saw was very... Or the burn... But yeah, I think he was a surgeon. Um, yeah, he, he, he tried to scare me by telling me some stories and... And I just said to him, you know, I, I, I felt like I could. Yeah. I, was, I was not running fast. I was taking it quite easy. There was a little bit of pain, but um, I don't know. It's just interesting, you know. It's not something I'd recommend, obviously. No. But I think we all do it, yeah. right? And I think there is there is the book and the text about how you should go, which is a nice guide. Yeah. And, and it's always yeah. worthwhile reading. But I think, like you say, it's, it's interesting to push your limits, test yourself. Definitely. And... and you don't necessarily well, if I'd it. listened to the doctors, I'd have had a stair lift put in, go. wouldn't I? Fine example. I mean, if they saw the stairs on the Beachy Head Marathon, the amount of stairs that you you claim, yeah, and in the woods and everything, they they'd be absolutely amazed. Yeah, absolutely. But... Um, Debbie, you've um, you've done some coaching, mm-hmm. I believe, and um, I've seen various pictures and heard various people talking about the groups that you run on the seafront. And we've seen you doing your dipperoonie. Is, is that actually the official term for it now? No, that's just my word for the... In the, the summer, it swims, but it's it dips it's in the winter. I think it's great. Um, have you, so you've done an official coaching course, have you, in, in what kind um, of sports? Well, when I first had the lupus, I knew that exercise would help, but I didn't know what type of exercise to do. So I enrolled in a course with the Keep Fit Association to become an exercise instructor. Okay only really so that I knew that I could work myself out a program and I knew the type of exercises that I could do. I, I was okay. no plans on teaching with it, but I um, enrolled in this course. It was a year long course. Mm-hmm. You went to teacher training at night school as well to, to get that three months of teacher training. And um, you had to go to a regular class that was already set up. Okay. So that was all ongoing as well. So it took me a year to qualify and I got my qualification and then I started working out a program for myself and I thought oh this is really good mm-hmm. and then someone a friend of mine said well I run a lot of old people's homes in Portsmouth and they work for the city council and he said how would you fancy coming in and doing some classes for me okay like and we'll pay you and you go in and just do some seated exercises for, mm-hmm. for all these old folks and I used to see the difference in them. Really? And, I, and I thought, this is amazing. You know, you're just throwing a ball to each other and throwing bean bags around and mm. stuff like that. And they loved it so much. Yeah. Then I started doing aerobics classes. and But that was going out at night. And I, I didn't really like going out at night because I felt my energy level wasn't very good in nights. Okay. So I, I just sort of changed. And then I found Tai Chi and I thought, this is more like it. Fantastic. Really, okay. really gentle. And the breathing side with the Qigong is really good mm-hmm. for my health as well 
And then I started teaching beach on the beach, doing Tai Chi on the beach. That's where I've seen you doing, yeah. doing groups. Yeah, so we're and stuff, doing yeah. that, and that's great fun. Are you still doing that through the winter as well? No, no, okay. it's too cold. Okay. And um, then I got this lady who started coming along because I was doing falls prevention classes. So mm-hmm. the, the council had asked me if they would pay for the course if I went and did this course. Okay. And then I could do the classes for them. So that's what I was doing that for quite a few years as well. And Tai Chi is really good fall prevention exercise. Okay. So doing a lot of studies with it these days. So fall prevention being just to just to prevent people from yeah, losing yeah. their balance. People who've either had a fall or are at risk of falling okay. is because their muscles have got weak. And mm. so we would do specific exercises that okay. would build those particular muscles, improve their balance, good social element to it. Fantastic. So yeah, but it was all I always said to these people, you've got to enjoy exercise, whatever you pick. If you're not enjoying it, you're doing the wrong thing. Do something, try you, something you else. Need, yeah, try yeah. something else. You need to enjoy what you're doing. Okay, brilliant. So, so you actually still do that? You go, you go across... Yeah, I only do... Um, because I was 60 this year, so I've cut down classes. I used to do about nine a week. Okay. But um, I only do one a week now. And in the summer, I'll, I'll do the Tai Chi on the beach. That'll be another one. Yeah, I love it. I love what you said about how it kind of like brings the, the room alive when you, when you go there. Because I've, I've done a... I've I've gone over and piped a couple of times. Oh yeah, planes. the music they they love it. They do, yeah. they really do. And then I think there's a lot of people that do that, that do travel to old age homes just to kind of do special events. Oh, there's a lot goes on. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. It's a, it's a really good way to uh, to help people out and just kind of give yeah, them something. Yeah, and singing and they love yeah, a sing song, yeah. don't they? So yeah, yeah, yeah anything. Yeah. Well, a lot of the stuff I would do would be to the old music, so I would encourage them to sing mm. while they're exercising as well. So they love that. Yeah. So it can sometimes yeah. be quite, quite kind of solemn and, and boring sitting sitting in a chair all day, kind of you know as much oh, as gosh, relaxing. Oh yeah, gosh, just it's... looking at the walls. I can't. No. Well, the, these these homes. I used to go into about nine different council-run homes in Cosham and Southsea, and these people had lived there for for years and didn't know each other mm. because they never mixed. Yep. So I would get them all. I'd get the, the carers in the home and say, right, I'll be there at such such a time. Have them in a circle, sat down, ready for action. Yeah. So we'd get in there and we'd. And we'd have all sorts of fun with scarves and bean bags and balls yeah. and yeah, just great fun. Excellent. I think I think it's I think it's great that you do that. It's just that's <laughs> so rewarding to see. Well, I uh... know that exercise works for me, and because working with older people, a lot of teachers they can't understand the older person's body, mm. whereas having lupus and and all the restrictions that I have, I can. Because yeah. I know what it's like to be in pain. I know what it's like to have stiff joints. Uh, you know, not to feel up for it one day and, and okay the next. Yeah. It's just making such good use of your experience yeah. and kind of helping other people. I, I think it's fantastic. It's re- it really is good. Um, now, we spoke earlier a little bit about your fancy dress um, stuff. And <laughs> I know whenever I go You can borrow and... anything anytime you oh, want. <laughs> thank you. There's a lot of tartan in there. I, I oh, see. yeah. Got to have the tartan, haven't we? Yeah, well, yeah, when yeah. you were playing the pipes for New Year's Day, is the tartan's got to come out there. Yeah, that was that was Yeah, really they all fun. loved that, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what, what's, what's your favourite fan, fancy dress outfit to wear? Oh, gosh. I've seen you in such a number of them, damn it. <laughs> I've got so many. Um, probably my favourite was after the Lambert Eaton my first marathon because they wouldn't allow me to run the edinburgh marathon that year they said a marathon's too much we'll let you do a half was, so, was, that, that was your doc, doctors this or? was the, the specialist, the specialist yeah. okay. so she'd um she she was quite strict she says you you know you don't want to push it too far and then slip back okay. so the first race i did out of hospital 
was should have been the Bournemouth half marathon, but there's a 10k on the same day, so mm-hmm. I asked them if I could swap. They said okay. fine. It was April Fool's Day, so I got my jester outfit. Oh, really? So it's half red and half yellow yeah. with a funny pointed hat with the yeah, bells on. Yeah. And it was just after someone had nominated me to carry the torch for the Olympics. Oh, wow. And I okay. hadn't been able to do it because I was in hospital. So mm-hmm. that they'd kind of, when it got down to the shortlist, because I wasn't out of hospital, they thought, well, you know. So anyway, I got this cardboard cutout of an Olympic torch and I ran the 10K on board. And all the half marathon runners, they were all cheering me. And yeah. it was as if they knew my story, but they didn't. Yeah, yeah. But it was just because the outfit, April Fool's Day, and, a, and then across the finish line, sent a picture of me to neuro, neurological doctors and it's still in their office now on their on their wall. To wall, That's, wall. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So they kept it there. So as, kept as a, it there. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if like they actually take something away from your story in, in the future and then use the fact that you've managed to do this. You'd like to hope so, but unfortunately mm. not. They they just kind of think I'm kind of some weird one off sort of thing. But like you I kept saying, that. You don't no, that. I don't believe it. I yeah. believe that if everybody looked at their diet and looked at their lifestyle cut down on their stress levels and did a little bit more exercise, looked after themselves a little bit better. I think everyone could improve their health, yeah. no matter what they've got wrong with them. Great advice. Absolutely great advice. Um, Debbie, looking at the future, do you have any specific plans for this year or next year with your running in particular or anything else that you're, that you're involved with? Um, well, Bob and I have got a training day on the 22nd of this month Okay. because I don't know if you've seen... They've got Wheels for All, which are uh, disability bikes in Portsmouth already. They have mm-hmm. a, them at Mountbatten Centre and Bransby Park. Well, now they've got these rickshaw bikes. Okay. And there's um, you sit on the back, just like like the sort of old ice cream cellars that you see yeah. over there, where you, you put two old people in the front okay. and you're pedalling at the back. And these are e-bikes. So right. when I saw they were, I'd seen them in Brighton and I, and I posted up my Facebook page and said, oh, I wish we had them here. I said, I'd love to have a go at that. Get some old folks out along the mm. seafront. And someone tagged me and said, Deb, they've got them. They've just got them in Portsmouth. They've got two wow, of them okay. and they're just getting a third and they're looking for volunteers. So Bob and I thought, Could yeah, count us in. But what was worrying me was cycling with the weight of two grown mm. adults. Okay. I thought, hmm, don't are they, know if they, I could. Like, uh, electric bikes. Electric, I, th- I thought they would be. So yeah. as soon as they said they're electric bikes, I thought, I'm in. So we, yeah, we got a training day on the 22nd. Fantastic. And funnily enough, the home that we picked the people up from is at the foot of your road. Oh, on the corner? I think Sea View is one of them. Okay. So yeah, so that's going to be interesting. So watch this space. Brilliant. So what you do is you you, tell the listeners about. Well, they're looking for somewhere to house these bikes because at the moment they've got two and they're up at St Margaret's Church. Mm -hmm. But when they get the third one, they're going to need somewhere that they can they can leave the bikes. That somewhere that we can have a key to get in. And so if anybody's got a garage that they don't use or something, and we need to be able to get access to these bikes to pick up the bike Mm. to get down to these residential homes, pick up a couple of people. Then we take them down the seafront, stop off at D-Day for a, for a cuppa, okay. a bit of cake or whatever. And so you're with these people for two hours. And the lovely thing about it, which Bob and I love, because um, we don't wear a helmet when we cycle, mm-hmm. only if we're on our racing bike. Okay. So we don't wear a helmet on our town bike. And they don't wear helmets for oh, this bike. Okay. Right. Because it's it's not classed as, as something where... They, and it started in Denmark, mm-hmm. Denmark and Holland. I don't think they wear 
helmets anyway for right, bikes. I'm not sure, yeah. <coughs> so when um, yeah, it's it's called getting the wind in your hair. That's what the the catchphrase is. So really I can't is. wait. And of course, I've seen pictures of these people, yeah. and, the, and these old folks they come alive. Mm. You know yourself with the bagpipes and the, with exercise. And mm. as soon as you, they get out in the fresh air, and because they might have cycled years ago, yeah. But of course, because of their frailty, they can't get out. They can't yeah. Get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're gonna love it, aren't they? I think it's fantastic. You know, it's like it's it's so sad that people kind of go into homes, and and often, you know, if they don't have family close by or something they are often left yeah just left and, I, and it's so sad because yeah. yeah and these people have all got stories so once you get yeah. them started so yeah we'll have them singing going along the seafront and yeah you often forget sometimes that these people were people just like you and me and i know they're they out running and they've out all got stories and, haven't they yeah, yeah, so, so, if, yeah. if there's anything i can help with you know without or if you need, need an extra pair of hands well or anything, i put the you know. thing up on my facebook i put their facebook page on mine so that people mm-hmm. can like and share just to um, get it well known because the okay. more people that know about these bikes because obviously part of the time we'll be on the road to yeah. get from A to B so it, the more car drivers that are aware of who we are and what we are they'll be a bit more patient okay. because we'll have to take priority road position I was going to ask were you going to find out about that on the training day? Yeah, or? it's a whole training day okay. on the 22nd but it's so. going to be on the road not because the, the cycle It's going to be cycle paths oh. for the, when we can fit in Okay but the general route at the moment is, is the seafront, mm-hmm. but um, Kath, who runs the place, she's trying to find lots of different routes. But obviously, okay. to get to these routes, we're going to have to use the road some of the time. She's been out on a few trials with with people, and it's, it's, it says the drivers are great. They're all honking the horns and waving. Fantastic, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And of course, these old folks, they're loving it. Yeah. And make sure they wave at all the runners. Yeah, so runners, yeah. if you're out there and you see these, yeah, and you these see bikes, this, give them a wave. Please give them a wave yeah. and say hello because <laughs> that's that's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Really, really good. I'm looking forward to seeing how that. How yeah, that and I will obviously put a post out as well on the from great. the podcast chat as well, just to see if anybody can help out with the storage and yeah, great and what goes. So thank you, Debbie. Now I always end off these interviews with some recovery run questions. I call I call them my recovery run questions. Okay, they're, they're quick. They're, they're, they're quick fire. Um, should, should we should we get through it pretty quickly? Uh, first question is: um, Do you have a favourite route, running route around Portsmouth? Seafront. Always. A lot of people have yeah, said that. Beach. Yeah. You like to hear the waves. You like to yeah, hear the... <laughs> yeah. Can't beat it. And every day is different. Um, do you have a particular pair of running shoes that you go to at the moment, and, and what are um, they? I've got several pairs. I go for lightweight first. They've got to be lightweight. They've mm-hmm. got to be bright because okay. I don't do black clothing because colour therapy. I'm a great believer in bright colours. It's got energy. Yeah. So, so at the moment I've got um, a pair of Brooks, a pair of Sacconis, and a pair of Nikes. I think nice. that I'm using. And you get on well with them. They're fine. Yeah, they, they do. You just fine with your yeah. feet. Cool. Um, have you ever had a most funny or embarrassing moment when running? <laughs> um, funniest not... one was one of my London marathons when I thought I was doing quite well, coming along embankment, mm-hmm. just as you're going round. You've got about two miles to go. And I was passed by a guy with a full-size canoe on his shoulder, oh. running for the Outward Bound Trust. <laughs> I looked inside and I thought, you're having a laugh, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so I was beaten by this guy. <laughs> I thought, he just kept changing it from one shoulder to the other. And I thought, my, how on earth did he do that? I guess, you, I, I bet so you that, still cheered him on there. That was quite go funny. On, yeah, I was yeah. going, whoa, go yourself, mate. That's amazing. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Um, do you have a favourite park run around the Portsmouth area? Have, have you you've been to Heaven? Uh, I love the South Sea one because I love the out and back. Okay. And especially if I'm tail walker or like Christmas Day, Bob and I were tail walkers. Mm-hmm. And we're dressed up. And the amount of high fives and cheers and 
and just mm. everybody shouting out and thanks very much mate you get to and see it's, the right it's, of the right it's so lovely because yeah. no matter how slow you are yeah. you're not left on your own because exactly. you've got the out and back yeah. which is lovely that's good uh, what's your favourite time of year to run summer, winter, spring oh that's a tough one autumn probably okay mm, that's when the beachy head is autumn it's the end of october okay. and i love running through woods with the leaves and mm -hmm. the smell of the, the damp earth and, mm. and oh, the so bounciness of the ground underneath it is, it does, with all the it, leaves yeah. it's ah oh, lovely fantastic uh winter or summer when it comes to swimming what's your what's your favorite because i know you're swimming always in the water well in the summer I'm in for longer so it's wetsuit swims okay so I'll, I'll go in and do a mile or whatever um in the winter it's more dipperoonies rather than swimmeroonies so I the dips that. can be anything like after park run I love to just jump in the water yep. for about five minutes just to freeze the pain out okay because it just takes down all the inflammation mm -hmm. so that's been working quite well for me and now I've got some fellow nutcases are all joining me this it's becoming so, so popular yeah I know <laughs> I mean, it's the Christmas Day there, and... I said, who's yeah. going to join me then? And it's 40 of them. 40 Crikey. of them came in. And some of them had never even been in in the summer. You must have thought, okay. but It was a lot of screaming and, and a few swear words, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd offered them min mince pies and mulled wine afterwards. So I think that was the incentive, really. The next time I can come and join you, I'm definitely going to come right, and join you. Right, right. Okay, <laughs> how's that? There we go. Um, what's your favourite parkrun volunteer role? Uh, tail walker, I think, oh, just because you see everybody there. Okay. Uh, do you know what your parkrun PV is? I think it's 31. 31. So 31 a, something. That's very close into the parkrun average time, I yeah, think. Well, yeah, well, I, I used to be 9 minute miler um, when I first started running, just under 9 minute miling, mm -hmm. but now it's more like 13 minute miling. Okay. It's just, so, a, it's just a fun question that I ask, isn't it? Uh, yeah. No, no importance. But I don't really care what my yeah, time is. Exactly. As long as I cross the start and the finish line, yep. that's all that matters. That's all that matters, yeah. Uh, and just a couple of final ones. What do you think makes Portsmouth's running community um, so fantastic? I, I, oh, there's I, so I many of us. There's so many clubs, isn't there, with all this couch to 5K and you've you've got all the running clubs here and, and it, it's more for everybody now. Whether you're mm. pushing a buggy, you've got a dog on a lead or you... It doesn't matter what size you are, what age you are, what pace you're doing. So you think all these programs everybody, are enabling running? Yeah, is, everybody is, is encourages each other, don't they? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's, it's a, I think we've got just a really strong, well-connected, friendly... It's like a village, Portsmouth, it is. isn't it? It, it, is, it is very much like it. And I, and I actually think running in Portsmouth particularly, and it may be the same for other cities, is actually changing. It's, actually, it's, it's having a proper visible impact. Yeah. On, on, on the community. Oh, with the size of the park runs. Mm -hmm. I mean, 600 for, yeah. for last Saturday. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It gets to a point where it almost gets it, too busy. I know. Yeah. Well, I think that's why we're, you know, trying out some Correct. some new routes. And, yeah. So hopefully yeah, in the future uh, there will be some yeah. other park runs to alleviate that mess. But it, you know, like you say, there's it's so many It's got to be a good thing up. though, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but there's more and more people taking up running now. It's just, um, you know, when... I know. At what point is there going to be a... And of course point? you even get an app now where if you don't want to train with others, it's even, you can get an app for couch to 5k so you can do it on your own in your own time absolutely yeah uh, and lastly one bit of advice one bit of debbie pentland advice that you can give to, <laughs> to other people that's if, easy keep smiling yes i love it <laughs> if you smile your body is fooled into thinking that it's easy good excellent advice debbie you've been an, an absolutely wonderful person to have on the show thank you so so much for everything you do in the area uh, I know everyone out there who even sees you in fancy dress, who not necessarily taking part, <laughs> loves it. I think you inject so much fun into the area. 
and I know lots of people are benefiting from all your good coaching and all the activities you're involved in so from me and I'm sure from everybody else thank you so so much for sharing your story oh thank you you're welcome thanks for asking me